All right, thanks for making me number six in your top five, number 15 of all time. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, hello, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to episode 96 of Third Degree, the podcast. I am Buzz. I am by myself tonight because we are going to have a special guest who's going to eat up the entirety of the podcast, and there wasn't any new, a lot of news around FC Dallas this week after the draft. Anyway, let me take a moment before we have our guests come in to remind you that Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. 25% off site-wide for all Third Degree podcast listeners with the promo code Degree at Soccer90.com. You guys can get on there, check it out, take use of that promo code, get yourself some uh, cheap stuff. There should be some jerseys and t-shirts coming up soon, I think, for the noon season, so maybe you can take advantage of that as the as that code as we get closer to the season. One tiny bit of news, just following up on my Brian, Brian Reynolds drop from earlier this week with the news that he signed a contract with Roma. He actually is traveling out on Friday uh, evening, in the afternoon perhaps, or early evening. He'll arrive in Rome on Saturday, Brian will, and uh, then undertake his physical. That's probably been reported other places, but I got that confirmed from my end, so that's the next step. And then I would imagine shortly after that you'll see official announcements of uh, the transfer somewhere between you know the, the weekend, probably not, probably Monday, Tuesday, next week is when you'll probably see some kind of stuff uh, happen. As I mentioned, we do have a special guest today. He's uh, joining us from the FC Dallas organization. He's going to talk about uh, scouting and player acquisition and drafting and, and fill us all in on the details. Okay, let's bring in our guest for today. And that is what in what seems to now be an annual tradition, the head coach of North Texas Soccer Club. Please welcome to the podcast, Eric Quill. Hi, Eric. How are you? Good, Buzz. Thanks for having me, buddy. Now, today, before we get deep into North Texas Soccer Club, uh, let's talk organizationally about scouting, if that's all right with you, because I think a lot of times people don't from the outside know how uh, professional soccer clubs function in terms of scouting. So in order to have that discussion, let's first say how, how involved are you in FC Dallas scouting beyond just being the coach of North Texas? I mean, how involved in the process are you? Um, very involved. I mean, as far as, uh, helping in any way I can to bring young players uh, that have projection to, to FC Dallas. So um, it's via North Texas. So um, obviously college draft, I'm happily a part of um, always using resources. I mean, we're, we're always trying to turn over any rock to find the uh, best player we can find, um, whether it needs to start in our academy and, and come through or, you know, whether it's he's a, 19, 20 year old ready for second team play and maybe needs a year to be polished. Um, but heavily involved as much as I can be because we're all working together to find the best talent for FC Dallas at the end of the day um, to provide championships. So outside of this year, which is a weird year, obviously with the COVID that changes the way a lot of things work. Do, do you, you along with other uh, FC Dallas coaches, how active are you in terms of going out and watching college players or is everything tape even not just this year i mean overall is it always just tape these these days um locally i mean you can get tipped by you know there's a lot every, there's a lot of eyes on a lot of local talent as you know dallas is an extremely um large hotbed for for talent so um you rely on relationships around town that you know are, are uh 
you know, speaking on behalf of players. And so it's easy to kind of get out and watch a game um, of a player that's being recommended. But obviously, you know, on a larger scale, you know, with COVID and traveling around the world to watch live games is not not really um, you're not able to do that. So, you know, taking it sort of one step below, you got to really rely on video that people are sending. And then you've got to rely on, you know, people that have been around this player can vouch for character. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just a, it's a difficult, different time of, of uh, recruiting and identifying players, but one where we just rely on resources and our relationships that um, we feel strongly about that have learned a lot of trust, trust over time that, uh, you know, hopefully work out. Now, here's a question I legitimately do not know the answer to. Does FC Dallas use scouts on their staff? I don't mean the coaches. I don't mean the guys, the assistants. I mean, are there full-time scouts on staff do, or do they use independent, like freelance sort of scouts or other scouts? Not at all. I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, we have we have full-time scouts um, looking to, to kind of grow that department more probably in the future. Um, but yeah. We have a full-time scout working on behalf of the youth academy and, um, and one that's helping with second team youth academy and full, and full team. So um, it's a, it's a, yes, to answer your question, we do. Is that domestic or international that they have these scouts or both? Uh, I think, well, I guess full-time, I think it's mainly domestic, but I think if you look at there's relationships that are, um, so maybe some part-time scouts abroad um, that, uh, um, that their clubs working with. Now, in general terms, uh, is there a difference in the between the way you with North Texas find international players versus the way the first MLS team finds international players? Is there is there any kind of differentiation there, or is it all part of the same process? I think the first team is a lot more vast with more eyes and more, uh, but same same process. I mean, Andre Zanotta does a great job with you know sort of always uh, having his eyes on both teams and, and what the needs are and looking and he's got relationships that are very strong throughout, throughout the world that, you know, are very advantageous to the club. And, and uh, so, you know, a lot similar, but you know, the, you know, the first team is priority. And, and so I'm helping, you know, sort of the second team fashion out however I can. I mean, we're always bouncing ideas. He's, he's as far as the international players, he's finding most of them and, um, you know, between agents and relationships, again, like you just try to, you're going down rabbit holes and just trying to figure out, you know, based on need and based on projection, you know, who's, uh, who's the guy, who's the guy that fits the philosophy of the club that we think is going to be successful in not only North Texas, but Lucci's ultimate group. Um, because that's the goal is to find that, that, you know, we're always looking for young players, as you know, we're a young, a young group. And so a lot of these guys aren't ready yet, but they, they, they have really close uh, resemblances of a player that's, that's going to make it. So when you find that you want to polish it and, and make it ready and, and try to get it in your doors. So it'd be fair to just characterize it then as a singular player acquisition department for the entire organization, even including the Academy really in many ways, top to bottom. Yep. Everybody's taught. Yes, exactly. Um. Speaking of kicking under rocks and looking for players, the MLS uh, combine was canceled this year, but there was, I believe, a Kansas City, Sporting Kansas City put together a combine. And, and I think you told me that you were going to go to that. I don't know if you did or not, but um, 
if you did tell us how was that different and does that combine in general have value still for major league soccer for scouting? Yeah. So Marco and I, Marco Ferruzzi and I went to Kansas city credit to Kansas city for putting this on because, you know, and I think there were some other organizations that had some, uh, some smaller type, um, more intimate combines. Uh, but Kansas city opened it up to the, to the country basically of USL and, and MLS and, um, had they not, I think a lot of these players, these seniors would have, uh, you know, really struggled to get their name and name out there. So I thought, you know, for, uh, the pandemic and everything that's gone on for them to, to put this event together, um, was really, was really great on behalf of, the, of these college players. So I think for us, it was huge because we got to look at, you know, so many of those players that were drafted, um, had we not seen them live, I think our, our confidence in our, in our assessment would obviously lacks a little bit of, of data. So really, really grateful that they had that event. And uh, it, it taught us a lot about this draft. Yeah. I always used to say back in the day when I was doing a lot of combine and, and draft stuff that, that any good organization and, and really everyone in MLS should be doing most of their scouting way, way before the combine, the combine just gives you a last sort of visual check-in. Like, does it fit what we think it the way we think it does? Well, there was no, mind you, there's no college season this past season. So, um, you know, besides the ACC and some other school, but so you're uh, really going back a year for, you know, um, scouting purposes and these college players. So um, a lot of these guys haven't played, I mean, talk about the amount of games that they have not, you know, they've missed out on a ton of games. So really kind of, you know, puts them in a tough situation to be in great form, to be seen and, and to be in that moment that you have to catch somebody's eye on a glimpse. Um, and so, but, you know, all that aside, I think we did the best we could. To, and obviously we watch games throughout the year as much as we can. We're getting, relying on a lot of college relationships with head coaches that we have who are promoting their players and, and really, you know, but like I said, this is a, this is, this year was an anomaly and, and uh, for us to get what we did, I'm, I'm super proud of and happy about. We'll get to that in just a minute, but I have one more scouting sort of question. You mentioned, of course, you scout your own academy in a lot of ways. How young do you guys start looking seriously at players? Not, not that they're going to come in and play for you, but how long young is it that you start evaluating that pro level potential with an eye towards the future with kids? Uh, you know, there's not a set age. I think it's always, you know, when you come across, this is the professional team in Dallas, right? This is the top level. So I think there's a lot of people, a lot of eyes out there in, in the community um, who have a vested interest in, in support in FC Dallas. And um, like I said, there's a lot of tipsters that, that, you know, identify a player that they see something in and they're, and that's what it's about is basically uh, trying to accumulate those relationships that allow you to be uh, at the forefront of, of a lot of these guys and how they, they want players to be, you know, their trajectory to be in the community. So we rely on those relationships. And, and so, you know, whether it's an eight year old, whether it's a 15 year old, whether it's a 20 year old, I mean, again, it's, you never know. And I mean, talent develops at different, different ages. And um, you know, we just, we think that, uh, you know, our academy is, is obviously had a lot of success. Um, and there's a lot of people, you know, wanting, wanting in these doors from that, from the young youth level. Um, but it's, so just, a like I said, allows us to have more, more relationships that allow us more talent to come in the door. And that's just not in Dallas. It's across the, the country. Without naming any names, what's the youngest player that you've personally seen that you thought, okay, yeah, that's a kid we need to tap up a little bit. 
my five-year-old son. You're your five-year-old son. <laughs> okay, not your son. Other than that, <laughs> what's the youngest player that caught your attention and made you really think? How young? Oh, I mean, they're all over. I mean, I wouldn't say that I've gone after a, any, any, you know, kid you know, at a super young age, but I, they're all out there at the park. And I, I go to my kids' games, and whether I'm in a YMCA game or a, uh, a club game, you know, you see them, you see these, uh, these glimpses of talent that are, they're, you know, wiry kids that just haven't developed and are goofy a little bit, but there's so much to the eye of the beholder, um, in the soccer world that, um, I, I couldn't tell you an exact player, but maybe other people in the club could give you that a better answer than that. But I just know that there's a, I mean, you got to any park in Dallas and on a weekend and you could, you could write down 10 to 20 names. Yeah, the amount of talent uh, in the local market is staggering, which brings me uh, uh, to the draft that you guys had with the first round pick, Nikki Hernandez, who's a Dallas Texans product, not an FC Dallas product. Um, obviously, the organization valued him, uh, picked him in the first round. Is there any, there is for me, is there any residual annoyance on your part that you had to draft him? to protect his MLS rights. I mean, he's already under contract to North Texas soccer club, right? So there's a little bit of a rule there that meant you had to draft him. So any, I mean, I'm not asking you to criticize the league, but you know, on some level, are you like, man, this is annoying. We got to pick him. No, oh, it's a quirky rule. I mean, obviously when you have a guy that's in your organization already, it's you know, simple math. Let's say it's, it feels like a, a waste of a pick uh, when you already have them. Um, but the rules are what they are and everybody's got to abide by them. And, um, just grateful we got Nikki because we, like I said, we've had the luxury of having him in here for a year and, and the first team staff eyes on him and, and really, and obviously has worked with the second team and between, you know, everybody's eyes and really, and obviously we knew him from the Academy days at Dallas Texans and um, he's just a player that we were really grateful that we got to, to draft. But I, I understand the, the frustration by many uh, because it just doesn't add up to a lot of, a lot of sense in a lot of ways, but rules are rules. Sure. My, my uh, scanning of the death chart, as it currently stands, it seems likely, I think, that from the outside that Nikki will probably start 2021 with North Texas again. Do you think, you th think you're likely to have him at the beginning of the season? Uh, we'll see. I mean, again, I think he's gaining a lot of traction, so you never, you never know. I mean, I'm never going mean, <laughs> to – it's just not something that – I mean, I, the hope is you want to get these guys to have the fastest tra – fastest trajectory into the first team. So whether that's him going in the preseason and blowing them away and they say, well, this guy's needed and we got to, we need him now. Um, or he, he does okay. And he needs, he needs to be polished a little more and he comes up to North Texas. So we're, we'll be glad to have him. If we get him. Um, but we're also, you know, we're not going to, if, if SC Dallas says this is, this guy's our guy and then we're going to celebrate it and, and be grateful. Yeah, Lucci tells the story about Tanner last year being brought to spring camp to fill a body once when Acosta was hurt and then knocking their socks off and saying, oh, man, we got to sign this kid now. So it does happen uh, with, with that short window of time. People can make large leaps if something clicks. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Nicky's in great form. Obviously, he's coming off a lot of confidence from last season. I think he's in uh, confidence is, is a very it's a very attractive thing for for coaches to, to see and identify. So if he goes in with in the form, he, he left the, the post or the off season or sorry, the last season, uh, you know, I think he's got a great shot to turn, turn their heads. And he's already done that. I mean, they know who he is. They, they, they love him. Um, it's just a matter of obviously now he's going up in preseason that, that next level and, and uh, he's going to quickly find out 
the intensity and the, the ambition that players play with. And it's, you know, but Nicky's a fat, he's Nicky can rise to the occasion. If I've seen anything from that kid, he, uh, he doesn't back down and, and he, he rises above the occasion to be honest in many ways. Now I've been saying for a couple of years now that anything past the first round is being picked for North Texas soccer club. Now I'm not going to ask you to say that that's true or not, but given that the first team has three keepers and a keeper was selected in the second round, my read is that that keeper probably is more likely again to play with North Texas. So given that you needed a keeper, uh, pretty happy to see Colin Shetler, who was the first keeper on many draft boards fall to you guys in the second round there. Yeah, extremely happy. I mean, we, he was the, the number one target for the first team um, as far as keeper um, based on our, I mean, we did a lot of research and so to have him be around when we got him was, we got, feel like I got really lucky. So um, to answer, I mean, He's going to the first team preseason. He's, he's been identified by Drew and staff and, and really targeted. So, um, look, he's young we, and we have um, a place in the, you know, for him. And so whether it's, he, again, another, another preseason goes in and, and earns his stripes or if he needs a, a year to, to develop in North Texas, and he's going to have that option probably. So, um, but it, between, both, between both teams, keepers was a need. Yeah, I think I remember seeing him listed as high as a top 10 pick. So that's, you know, a real value middle of second round. Um, you know, at, I think he's listed at six one, which is maybe like an inch or two shorter than it might be perfect. But certainly there are six foot six one keepers that have been successful. Have you seen him play? I mean, do you, can you tell us a little bit about what maybe differentiates him from other keepers? Yeah, no, I mean, he's. I mean, obviously he's coming from the, the top conference in, in college soccer, arguably. And, and uh, you know, he's been a leader. He's a great shot stopper, very athletic kid. But, you know, his feet are, for me, were the best of it, of, of, it, of the lot. Um, and as you know, in FC Dallas, we, we want to play out and we want to, we want to play through our keeper as, a, as the 11th player. And, and, um, and so that's an important piece of the puzzle is just, just shot stopping is not a, not a um, – so he's, he was more of a complete package, we felt, than, than most of the others. Yeah, we talk about the keeper's feet with uh, what we call Lucci ball. You guys will probably call it that, but we call it that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the third round uh, gets fascinating for me. Um, Thibaut Jaquel uh, is a name I had heard, but uh, out of Campbell is a French kid. He actually played for the Mets Academy at one point. But other than having heard his name, I know zero about this guy. What, what can you tell us about uh, Thibaut? He's an amazing goal scorer. I mean, if you if you can pose clips, I mean, this guy doesn't finish uh, the generic style. This guy has both. He's dual footed, probably the most composed kid I've seen in the box in college soccer um, in the last couple of years. I mean, he, uh, you know, just scores some really high level goals from a from a thought process. You know, he's not taking wild, just you know, reckless, aimless shots in traffic, he's actually shot faking guy, getting guys diving around him and then placing it. It's just a real calm, composed kid that stuck out to me um, and watching him. And, you know, he scored I me mean, as a leading goal scorer in college. And, and uh, like I said, if you look at his goals, they're not just, uh, they're not tap-ins. He's, this guy's scoring some, some really tight windowed goals and, and the shot release was quick and, He's come from a very, you can tell he's come from a very high level um, background in training because he's exceptionally technical with both feet. I mean, literally you can't tell if he's left foot or right foot based on how he strikes the ball. So um, I just like his, his mentality in front of goal. And I think he's going to add a lot um, in the final third of the field for this club. 
So is he a nine or a winger, or does he come like as an off striker 10 type? How do you see him used in your team? He's a nine. I mean, I think he can play underneath as a 10 if you needed him to, but he's more of a he plays in between the, the center backs and plays off back shoulders. Good hold up player, great layoffs. You know, very, what I liked about him most is every time the guy lays the ball off, there's no standing and walk. He's basically laying it and he's, he's getting in behind again and, and trying to get in the box for, to, to just be a nuisance off back shoulders or cutting it across the front of people. So he's just a guy that you know, has a really keen feel for, for how to maneuver himself in the 18 yard box. And if he, if he's one, if he happens to get a bad, a bad cross, he's not just trying to put something on frame. He's actually t- using a, a really high level thought process, whether it be to take the ball out of the air in the, in the box and getting something, getting a defender off footed to find that half window. He just, he just thinks differently than most players in the college level. Yeah, you mentioned off-ball movement. That's an underrated quality, I think, that can really separate players from the norm. Um, the next pick was Mark Salas, who's a player that I had sort of at the top of my list of guys that might be senior homegrown signings. Although given, as we talked about earlier, the state of college soccer, I mean, it was going to be a crapshoot whether Dallas was interested in a senior homegrown or not. And and he still could be eligible for that hypothetically. But um do you know, number one, is Mark going to stay at UNC for the spring season or come to Dallas? And then also, um, I know a bit about that player, but maybe you could tell about, tell us about Mark from your point of view. Yeah, no, so we're still working. I, you know, I believe a lot of these players may play their, their spring season, their final season with their colleges. Um, that's going to be a question for, for first team staff because obviously they're drafted by the first team. And um, so they're working that out. Um, but Mark's obviously a product of the academy here, our national championship here in the academy. Um, highly touted by obviously Lucci is very familiar with them. I'm not so familiar with him from a, from a, from a, I wasn't here when he was here, um, but I've watched, you know, obviously games of UNC and, and uh, for my former club, we played against this group quite a bit. So I'm aware of his mentality. He's got a great mentality for the game. You know, he plays bigger than his size, um, really technical, um, you know, very good passer out of the back. So, He's uh he's sort of your, you know, Zach Lloyd type, if you will, if it, like maybe a little you know undersized for a center back, but you can't undersize. You know, the heart the heart's bigger than the than the body in in, uh, in a lot of ways, and so he's one of these kids that we really just love his, his killer men, and winter mentality that we just we didn't want to lose that that opportunity. So in your mind, maybe he's more of a center back than a right back. I mean, I think he can, he can play him in both areas, but I think we'll, we'll figure it out once we're on a you know again. Sure. He's four years from out of the program, really here as an academy. So, so wherever we see, but he, I think he can play in both positions, which makes him more attractive to any organization. So another player that I'm really excited to see get picked is Gio Montesta-Osa, who's another academy product out of UNC. Lost his junior year with an injury. I think it's a knee injury, but Eric, please question me if I'm wrong on that. Um, but a player that I had really high on my list of guys I was watching for potential homegrown talent because he's a very talented attacking player, very creative. Obviously, the injury is a big, big problem. He's still trying to come back from that in many ways. What a terrible time to be coming back, by the way, from an injury with this COVID and inability to train and play. But, um, you know, a guy that I'm real excited to see picked with a shot to hopefully land with North Texas. Uh, tell us a little bit about this player. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with creative. I mean, Gio's a very creative kid. Um, he's not your prototypical nine, this, this modern day, you know, he's not a Lewandowski, you know, he's this guy's, he's a slider body frame, but he's thinks on an exceptionally high level. Um, 
and really does a good job of changing speeds and in, in, in areas that allow him to get shots off. Um, and I, we had him a couple, you know, I had, saw him for the first time, not this past summer, the summer before when he came up from UNC. And I just really thought, man, this kid's got, uh, he's, he's very different in a lot of ways and, and uh, very, very technical. And so um, I think he's going to have, a, he's going to help uh, us in a lot of ways. He's going to bring a difference, different type of nine um, than what we have and maybe an, a, a Bruce or um, in others. So, um, so, you know, we'll see, I mean, where he, where he ends up, you know, ends up, but I really like where his game is. And I know I got a lot of feedback from other college coaches around the ACC that really liked him. And that says a lot when you're, when uh, other coaches and other programs, you know, really speak highly of you. Yeah. He had really broken out his sophomore year and looked like he was going to be the man, you know, going into that junior year before he got injured. Uh, Just in case people listening don't know, Mark and Gio, the people we just talked about, were both part of the Dallas cup winning team with Paxton and Jesus uh, and that b- back in, was that 2018? I think it was. So, you know, some guys that are played, have played at a high level. Do you think that his game is adaptable to maybe a wing sort of position if he's not the prototypical nine? Yeah. I mean, I think there's different ways we can play with his, with his uh, profile that would allow him. If we went to that side to go play, you know, maybe the more narrow three um, forwards. And if we, um, so yeah, there's, there's different ways. Look, a football is a football. I mean, we, we took him because of his football IQ and his, and his ability. I mean, so it's up to us as a step to put him in the right situations that are going to make him and the club successful. So there's different things you can do with a guy like Gio because his creativity is he can, he can, he's a kid that can be versatile and go out wide and, and come, you know, maybe play in the windows of the game and, and, and really create havoc. So yeah, to answer your question, there's a lot of different things and, and ways we can use them up front. Yeah. Hunting out the gaps between the lines, between the channels, the, those are the key elements for modern soccer in a lot of ways, particularly the way you guys play. Um, yeah. let, let's talk about your roster that you're bringing back for this season for North Texas, if you don't mind. I think on the defensive end, from the outside, it seems like um, Justin Che, Nikosi Burgess, Eddie Munjoma are potentials for you. Um, are, are those the main guys that you see as uh, in the cards for you as coming down from the first team at the start of the year? Is there anybody I'm missing out on there? Dante Seeley, perhaps. Is that another name that might factor for you guys? Some. We're just in the beginning talks of these, of these, um, but and I, so I don't want to speculate, but I mean, any, anybody with a youthful age that needs games um, is obviously going to be, you know, considered for North Texas um, if they're not getting games in the first team. I mean, that's, so all those names you mentioned have, have a possibility, um, you know, that, so we'll see how they fare in, in preseason. And, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the name of the game with these guys, these, these young players is, they need to be playing. So, and that's why this play, that's why North Texas was, was created. One of the reasons why it was created um, was to make sure that these, you know, these guys aren't, you know, going gameless. And so um, I just need to get with Lucci as, as the, the rosters get built um, and preseason goes, how, how it goes. Um, those, those answers will be more, more clear. Now, one player that I'm really exciting excited about is Hope Kodzo, who I've seen play and train uh, with the first team and with you guys. How does he positionally fit in first? What kind of player is he? And then how does he positionally fit into your setup? Yeah. Hope is a, is really different player than what, what uh, anything I've sort of worked with and maybe my career. Um, He's just that, that dynamic and that he's got so many, 
elite characteristics to his game, which, you know, you're hard pressed to find in a lot of these players, you're hard pressed to find one or two um, elite level characteristics. He, he's probably possesses three to four. Um, so he's just a, you know, for me, he's a, you can play him at a 10, seven, 11, false nine. Um, he's, he's just somebody that's so dynamic um, with his, his quickness and his, his skill on the ball. Um, and he's got great final product. I mean, goals and assists. He's beat his final pass is spectacular. Um, his combination play is outstanding. Um, his balance and coordination. I mean, he's just, uh, he's a type of player that you, you, if you're one versus one, you just, you have to bring doubles over to, cause he's just, he's going to get out of anything one versus one with any kind of space around him. Um, and he, he just, he does the unassuming. His creativity is, is like I said, another elite characteristic that he possesses that um, he's not afraid to try things that, and typically, and especially when he does try them, it's not, he, he pulls it off. I mean, he's, he, he makes you shake your head probably 10 times in a half hour uh, of inter, inter squad play. Um, shake your head in a good way, that, that is. Um, and he's just, like I said, he's an exciting player to watch. Um, super dynamic and just, he's got, crowds will fall in love with him. I know it. Yeah, his the announced contract that came with his signing was an eye opener. Was not the typical one or one plus one of North Texas. So to see that longer term contract certainly made me sit up and pay attention. Not that I didn't know he was a good player, but it certainly said something about the investment that you guys would like to make in him. Yeah, no, I th- we we definitely from day one when we saw him, um, we we definitely knew that this is a kid that we wanted to bring in and, and need to work with um, because he's got something that very few have in the world. So, um, and I don't want to put too much pressure on, on the kid, um, but I, just, I think my words speak how I feel about, you know, his ability and, and I'm just you know super blessed and grateful to be have the chance to work with him. Now, speaking of young kids, you had Benny Redzik and Colin Smith with you last year playing some relatively large amount of minutes are either of those young men going to be back or, 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 and are there any other Academy guys we should expect to see to a larger extent like that? Um, there's a possibility, you know, one or both or we'll be back. I don't, I don't know. Again, it's one of those where we're still in uh, sort of the planning phase. There's a lot of, as you know, with our Academy and stuff goes on with um, players and their futures. So um, they've been talked about as, as possibilities in, in North Texas. Um, and also, you know, maybe, you know, going to preseason with the first team. Um, so there's going to be a lot of opportunity there for both those players based on the success they had this past season. Um, and then what was the, sorry, did you have a follow-up? Just if there was anybody other than those two that we should expect to see for a large amount of time, if you knew it at this point, you know, I have some ideas myself, but I want to hear what you think. Um, nobody that we have set in concrete, but I mean, it's, uh, there's a bunch of you know players that are special in our academy that are you know few 15, few 17, few 19s that that we feel that we're going to start out with at least for sure coming into training out the vet immediately um, and hopefully you know earning some some minutes in in the in the regular season this year. I mean guys, we have some. I don't want to I don't want to disrespect any of the kids that we have, you know just to name a couple. We had Diego Hernandez this past season, which obviously we have. Whenever it's coming year two, we, we want we have higher hopes for Diego to earn maybe some more minutes than he did um, this last season. Um, you know, young kids like Brock, you know, uh, Matthew Corcoran, um, who's, who came in at the end of the season in our training environment, did you know outstanding. Um, you know, there's just there's others that we feel um, are really going to earn 
definite training, you know, call-ups, but hoping, hoping, um, fingers crossed that they, these guys earn game, game minutes in the USL, which I think will be highly valuable. One of the guys that I had seen that I was hoping might be on your list, I, I liked the names that you named, but anything, any thoughts about Jordan Jones, who's a young guy that seems to be Jordan's high on the, yeah. Yeah, I can name, I mean, Buzzer's literally, I mean, I've got a list of probably 10 to 12 kids that we've, we're really hoping to get in uh, right away and, and start to polish and, and get get ready for, for USL League play. Um, so, like I said, I don't, there's a ton of names. I don't, and I don't want to get them any wrong. And I probably shouldn't even name the first two because they're in, they're in no order. Yeah. In no order based on, you know, I'm just throwing names out. So right. um, we have plenty of kids though that are pushing and it's a great opportunity for them. I mean, that's what it's all about. I mean, when your peer gets pushed up and gets opportunity at the next level, it drives, uh, it drives human nature, you know, the sort of the, the ambitious, you know, um, ways about us as human beings become a lot more vibrant um, when our peers get called up. Yeah. I, I, I love this about this organization that you guys seek to push these kids to the highest level they can handle, you know, and even push past what they can handle and see if they can swim in these deeper waters. Um, now, given the fact that you're not sure who you're getting yet from FC Dallas, you're not sure who you're, at, you're getting from the Academy you definitely have some holes in your, what is going to be like your 18 man consistent sort of group. What sort of positions have you ID'd as here's where we need to go get a guy either foreign or domestic to fill in like, like Alex Bruce last year, maybe that you signed from another club or I, I got to get this position ironed out or I'm in trouble kind of thing. Anything obvious to you at this point? Um, not So obviously with, the big thing is with, with COVID and, and sort of protocols and, and not having that fluid, you know, integration between, between first team, second team academy, because of, of obviously, as, as we know, life today, um, we've got to bolster our second team roster a little more um, just to, because obviously in the past couple of years, you know, the, the model has been right as far as relying on, um, you know, academy and first team, you know, integration, but that hasn't been obviously a case because of the protocols, just not, not in the, not in the cards to send somebody down from a first team and have them to quarantine for 14 days. And then, you know, come back. It's just, it's just not a, like I said, a fluid, fluid process that, so we need to, we need to bolster the second team roster a little more. Um, so we, we can obviously keep guys healthy. Cause again, we're talking about going back to a 28 game season. And, and so we need, um, a good amount of guys so we're we're basically putting out a, a healthy group and and you know we're competing each day so we will add more a couple more this year um just so we're not we're not light um with with everything that's going on with, with covid so if you're gonna add a couple more you might be looking at six seven eight players then even at this point yeah yeah so we're in talks with with uh with a few and i mean again it's as you know the off season it's you know one day it's on one day it's off right with certain players and yeah and uh so you know but the hope is 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 we got really some really good players that we've identified that we're in talks with right now that you know as soon as the their sign sealed and delivered you know you'll be finding out about but um we're we're working on it it'll be a when it's all said and done there'll be some some different names you you won't recognize, but are super talented. That um, once you do your research, it'll, it'll start to click. These players are are interesting. 
Now, if you don't mind, I would like to talk about a couple of departures um, from the team from last season. First, if uh, generically speaking, the window of opportunity, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, uh, not on a podcast, but the window of opportunity with North Texas is relatively short. You know, from evidence of just watching y'all make moves, it's about two seasons. So can you just talk a little bit about the philosophy of North Texas and why the window is so well, relatively speaking, it's so small with just about that one to two season window of opportunity. Well, you know, the, the goal is, is um, you want to move these, you want to, we want to expedite their development as fast as possible, number one. And so, um, so throughout that, that process of year one, um, a lot of discussions get had, you know, between first team, second team, all right, where, where is this player? Because every every player that's brought into North Texas has got to have some piece of projection to the first team, um, and so those conversations are happening quite often. Um, and so, you know, by year two, um, you know, we've, we want we've basically come up with a pretty good plan as to where these players are and where they need to go in the next in year two. Um, and then, and that that plan is is portrayed to the to the player, and and so they know that the timeline is such that. They can't mess around. I think that's the big issue too. Is psychologically putting in the player. The players need to know that this that North Texas is not a lifetime place for you. Like this is not gonna. That's not what we're, we want to provide for you. That and that's not what you want. What you want for yourself. So we really want players to understand that the timing here is one that um, can't be messed with on their end. It's, it's basically let's get to work as fast as possible and let's diagnose your games and your deficiencies and and your strengths and. And let's how do we how do we put it all together to to make you make this jump, and so and then the other piece too I think but is like look these these players a lot of them are they're not dumb they know they know they want to make it to a first team they know they need it you know so by the third year of a second team and the same or it, it you know in some people's eyes maybe it's a little bit um, monotonous and and they, and they don't feel like their shots being they're not going to get their shot and it's, and and based on again there's a lot of variables that. Maybe it's a, there's a log jam in a position that a player plays and, and it's time for them to, to go find, find greener pastures. So, um, I, I mean, again, we, we put it, say, a one to two, but are we willing to get, invest a third year in somebody that we say, yes, absolutely, um, if we feel that that's the net. So I don't think we're uh, – again, I think it's more of the message to the player that, like, look, we want, we want you springboarded to the next level, whether it be USL Championship or whether it be here or Europe, whatever, within two years of being inside North Texas doors. Yeah. So in a way to paraphrase that there's never going to be, well, I'll say never, there's, there's not going to be a situation where you're like, Oh, this player X could be the linchpin for North Texas soccer club for a decade. That's not what you're thinking. And that's never going to be the plan. No. And now, but look, I mean, if we were to sign a 14 year old, we're not going to kick him out the door at 16. If I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's yeah. uh, every player is different. Now if we sign an eight, a 19 year old or an 18 year old. That's a little bit different than, you know, somebody 14 feet. Like, so I think it depends on a lot, like I said, a lot of variables, but I'll never say never to any situation. But again, I think the message is, is to in two years, we believe that we, we have, we, we have the, the wherewithal to make you um, ready for the next level. So I'd like to specifically ask you about a couple names and I'm going to start with Arturo Rodriguez who's a big fan favorite you know, MVP of that first year, went out on loan that didn't work out for various reasons, came back and still was a particularly strong player. So um, can you talk a little bit about why the time was right to, you know, move on from him? And obviously he's moved up to the Phoenix Rising, which is a higher level, so good for him. So um, why was it time for him to do something new? 
Well, he's ambitious. I mean, again, am, ambition, um, ambitious people don't wait. They don't, they don't wait around. They just, that's not, that's not who they are. So we, the one percenters um, are, are anxious to, to, to try their luck at the next level. And so Arturo's done, you know, look, he did great here. And the, the club loves him. That's what I mean, first team loves him. Um, it's just a matter of, again, when we talk about maybe a log jam, is it, is it what was best for him? No, to, he needed to go. And again, there's a, there's a, a little bit of a pressure based on, you know, the loan not working out in Salt Lake. And so he needs to, again, I think that he needs to go to that, that next flight, which is, which is, uh, which is Phoenix now. And, 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 and put up, I mean, which he will. Again, he's an ambitious kid, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm rooting for him because I believe he's got first-team potential, and, and, and they do too. And it's just a matter of it just wasn't the right timing here. But Arturo, again, he's, he's ready for the next level. He's not ready. He's, 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 he's beyond this now. And so we wanted, to, we wanted to support him on this journey and, and wish him the best, and we're going to all be rooting for him. Uh, everybody in the across the club loves the kid. And, uh, you know, he's, he's just an exceptional – he's an exceptional talent that – like I said, he's gonna do. He's gonna do great things. He's, he's. I believe me. I know what his. I know what his heart's like and his work ethic. He's gonna be fine. I, I wanted to ask about Breck Evans. He's been your captain pretty much the last two years. I think it's fair to say that his loan didn't work out quite as well as you had hoped. Although he was recalled due to shortness of bodies in y'all's organization at center back uh, at the time, um, but he's not caught on with the team yet. Can you tell us a little bit about? why the window may have closed on Breck and, 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 and if you know what we're, what's next for him. Yeah, I think so. Breck's going to be called into a preseason with the USL championship squad. Uh, I don't know which one. Um, and, you know, again, Breck's another one that look center back is it's, you can play right center back, left center back. There's not, he doesn't have a, there's not a, they can't put him at left back. You could, but it's just not, you're playing him really out of profile there. Um, so just based on the numbers with FC Dallas and, and who they have in right now, again, log jam that just wasn't able to provide the opportunity that he would have needed in the club. So all worth worthwhile at the moment, but value him. I mean, the guy is literally, the guy's won championships after championships. His leadership's outstanding. His talent level is outstanding. He's going to, again, he needs that next level jump. Some of us need the organic route. Some of us can skip skips. We're, we're all different that way. Um, and this is just, this is just Breck's journey, but Breck is another one that I believe wholeheartedly has, has attributes that, that, you know, that can play at the MLS level one day. He just, he just needs to, to go to that next step. And that's what I know he'll earn based on uh, he goes into preseason with this championship squad. I have hundred percent confidence he'll, he'll be signed because I just know Breck is a competitor and, and, and a talent. So again, he's another one that if you, you wouldn't be surprised to see playing in an MLS game in two years. Right, but the last one I wanted to ask about was Ronaldo Damas, who has caught on with Orange County Soccer Club, a team I know nothing about, except that I feel like they've been around for a decade. One of the longer surviving sort of teams out there. Um, talk a little bit about Damas and, and why it was necessary for him to move on as well. Oh, I mean, Ronaldo, you know, that's the one position that when you have products, um, that's the, it's a it's a stat right that everybody looks at goal scoring when, and so everybody expects goal scorers to go try their luck at the next level and, and that's his, this was this was his time he deserves to go and challenge himself um at the next level and so i'm happy that he landed in orange county uh it's one that i'll be watching um but again we felt like you know he, he wasn't year three in usl league one when he's already done and again he played injured 
a lot last year. I mean, so you take a healthy Ronaldo last year, and I think he does the same thing as he did year one. Um, and so he had a surgery done in the offseason. I expect him to get back to full health, and he's going to help those guys. He's going to, he's going to, he's that guy is, uh, he's a machine. He's as brave as they come as a nine. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on the, the goal scoring charts as one of the top two or three goal scorers in the league this year. Now, USL One has announced this vague early May start um, with the flexibility to move up in the year. FC Dallas is going to start training in mid-February. They MLS has announced, although, you know, we'll see what happens with the CBA. Um, any thoughts without, without giving away your schedule, obviously, when do you think you guys are going to start training and when are you expecting a North Texas soccer club to begin playing games? Yeah. So, I mean, we're hoping to start preseason around the same time, around that February 22nd time, get, getting guys in a week before to quarantine. Um, and then, you know, again, I think there's a, there's some soft dates that you can work back from and from that um, May 8th, I think. Um, so some teams are talking about starting the week of April 24, summer, first week of May. So we're just kind of working with, with other clubs and, and, you know, there's variables to each club as to, you know, whether they can host and whether they can't and whether they, so, um, so we're just working with other clubs to figure out how, how, how best to start our season. I mean, we're, we're going to start whenever. I mean, if we start the 22nd, we're talking April 24th. If we start then, that's eight weeks. It's plenty, plenty to, 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 to get going. So um, nothing's firm, but you can expect some, our first game to, to fall between the 24th and, the, and May 8th. So that's about three weeks away from starting camp. You think you're going to have all your pieces in place by then? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's the beauty of the academy, right? If we, we can uh, – it's a chance for us to see, you know, we, we can pull on the guys we do have and along with the, the, the young Academy products that we want to, we want to see, and we can get a great training environment. So that's where we're in a luxury compared to others. And so we'll, if we have to wait on internationals to clear paperwork and, and whatnot, we'll be fine. Um, of course, we want to get these guys in as fast as possible to sort of get a cohesion going, but we, we will be fine. And it is a better opportunity now for our, for our young kids. All right, Eric, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate your openness about uh, all this stuff and and good luck in this season. And and we'll be cheering. I love watching North Texas, North Texas Soccer Club play and I, and I love following along with everything y'all are doing. So hopefully uh, with the COVID situation, we'll actually be allowed to come to training at some point and watch. That'd be nice, but uh, there's no guarantees. All right, thanks for making me number six in your top five, number 15 of all time. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, you know, look, Eric, I know you're making fun of me. I get it, but um, you weren't here long enough. You were only here a year. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. I, Thanks I, you for know, having if, me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. If I'd have put you in the top five, Eric, your ego would have been just unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. Sorry that you're number six. Uh, best of luck with the season. All right, buddy. See you. Thanks. Why do I feel like I'm going to be hearing about ranking Eric number six on my number 15's list for quite some time? <laughs> in my defense, he wasn't here very long. A fantastic player of his career, though, but just not in Dallas for very long. Great guy, though. Thanks again for Eric for coming on the podcast. Uh, he's willing to come on every year, and I love having him on because he's got such good insights into the system and the program and the players coming through, which is our bread and butter. We love that stuff. So always glad to have him on. Great guest, and I, he's always got such great insight. All right, let me remind you that uh, Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. You can get 25% off 
site-wide on all Third Degree podcast listeners with the promo code thirddegree on soccer90.com. That's 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E, just like the name of our website. Go on there and get yourself some stuff. Maybe get yourself some North Texas stuff since uh, Eric was kind of to come on, on the podcast today. All right, that's it for today for episode 96. Hopefully you guys will come back uh, again for episode 97 next week. Hopefully you enjoyed this one. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. North Texas Soccer Club. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast.